Jesus didn't say love people who believe what you believe. He didn't say love your straight friends or your gay friends or your black friends or your white friends, your democratic friends or your Republican friends. He just said love your neighbor as yourself. And I think that is just such a basic, fundamental thing that gets skipped over, even though what he said was above all else. <laughs> like that part, he didn't say love the sin or hate the sin. He didn't say that. He said love your neighbor as yourself. And I think now more than ever, it's so vitally important that we remember that. Welcome to The Ziggler Show. I'm your host, Kevin Miller, and I'm here to inspire your true performance from the framework established by Zig Ziggler, one of the top motivators and personal development leaders our world has ever known, who believed we could all be more, do more, and have more. How? By improving ourselves, beginning with how we think about ourselves. So let's break down some personal development today. In this show, we're back with Mastin Kip, our guest from show 631, where we focused on dealing with past traumatic events or just limiting beliefs uh, and getting us unstuck and progressing forward, which is something that everybody trying to better themselves has dealt with and is dealing with to some degree. Well, Mastin is the author of Claim Your Power, and that was the muse of our conversation. In this show, we walk through his personal habits for success, following, of course, the seven spokes in the Ziggler Wheel of Life that we hit on so much in this show. Uh, and it was interesting to hear that Mastin, who is a guy influencing a sea of people regarding personal or relational health, and he cites that he's not naturally a relational person. Kind of surprising, but I have to say, I relate. And I bet a lot of you guys will also. There's a lot of what he shares here that I think you'll relate with. You can connect with Mastin and what he has to offer you, including his book, Claim Your Power, at Mastin, M-A-S-T-I-N, Kip, K-I-P-P, dot com. So I'll start with Mastin right after I share some great resources with you. Okay, friends, here then we walk through the seven spokes of the Ziegler Wheel of Life and hear about the habits of Mastin Kip. Well, Mastin, we talked on, uh, you know, good habits and good lifestyle design in our first show. Folks, you got to go listen to that. Don't miss it. But now we go behind the scenes with you to see what are the healthy habits you're putting in place or striving to in each of these spokes of the Ziegler Wheel of Life. Uh, to uh, make you the best Mastin you can be. Number one, we start off with, and you talked a good bit about personalized nutrition, so I'm curious about your own. But the physical, well, you talked about physical too, your physical regime. So, but tell us again, daily, habit, habitual, sure. physical, and nutritional health and wellness. What are you doing? Sure. So I like to wake up somewhere between four and five o'clock in the morning. Uh, I have uh, ADHD diagnosed by the Amen Clinics through multiple brain scans. Um, and I have a treatment product, uh, protocol that they've put me on uh, that's a combination of lifestyle and, and pharmaceutical intervention, um, which I'm very happy with. But I like to wake up early because it helps me. It takes me a while to kind of get myself centered. And, and like ADD is kind of like having like all this chaos. And you got you to kind of like wake up and focus it is kind of what has to happen. So it takes me a few hours to kind of get centered and focused for the day. So what I do is I'll wake up. And I'll have uh, typically, you know, um, low caffeine, some essential amino acids, uh, and they'll do about an hour of steady state cardio where I'm doing about 80% of my exhale is, um, or 80% of my breath is exhale to help activate the vagal break. And I used to do this stuff at a gym, but I looked at how much time I was spending going back and forth from a gym. And I looked at my hourly rate 
And I realized I could probably save a half a million dollars in my own time a year. And so I bought my own home gym over the course of uh, 18 months with American Express points on Amazon. <laughs> Beautiful. Um, and so I have this like $40,000 gym that's free basically. And so I have a couple different pieces of equipment that I use. And depending on what I'm doing, I'll either do like a treadmill for an hour or an hour and a half, and I'll have like a laptop stand and I'll do some work in the morning or my, all my creative work, my writing and stuff like that. We'll check email and that type of stuff. Or I'll, um, you know, use that time to learn. So, you know, it's the time for audiobooks or to go through an online course or whatever. And right now, one of the things I'm learning about is uh, how to build systems and document capture systems. So I've been consuming a lot of Dan Martell's work, a lot of Mike McCallaghan's work. Um, and I'll use that time to not just learn, but then to start to actually implement it. Because nothing more annoying than, uh, you know, reading a book and going, oh, that's cool. And then just not doing anything with it, you know? So I like to actually start to implement that process. Um, and I'll usually won't eat until probably about 10 or 11 o'clock. And after I've trained, uh, or done my morning cardio, after I've gotten my creativity out of the way, I've done some learning for the day. I'll spend about an hour or so with my girl and we'll connect. Um, and then usually I maybe have a couple phone calls, uh, around 10 o'clock and then probably around like 10, 30, 11, I'll have my first meal, uh, which is a, a a meal that consists of usually a protein, a carb, and a fat, pretty well-rounded. And then about noon, I'll do uh, uh, training. My trainer comes to the house, and we do an hour of training. And then I have another meal, so my big meals are right before and after that. Um, and then usually the rest of the day after about 1 o'clock is all sort of administrative stuff, usually non-creative things, um, because uh, you know that 4 o'clock to 10 o'clock time is like sacred creative time. I'm on Eastern time. No one's bothering me uh, with emails and phone calls and stuff like that. And I can really get my best uh, stuff going. And then I try to wind down by about somewhere between five and seven and, um, you know, spend more time with my girl. We'll usually have dinner together. And um, by about eight, nine o'clock, I'll pop on uh, the red uh, blue light blocking glasses, have some uh, melatonin, some 5-HTP, stuff like that, wind down, try to get to bed by nine or 10. Beautiful. Beautiful. All right. At next a high to, level, that's kind of yeah. Awesome. No, I love it. I love it. A couple things interest me personally there. Um, family wise, and you talk about your girl a lot, but family, I'll expand that to you know just relationships. What are the things you're doing consistently for your relational health and wellness? So one of the th- I'm not naturally a relationship person. Uh, you know, I grew up only child and focused on my mom, so I'm pretty good at being alone. Like I could not leave my house and work and three months go by and I, 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 if anyone would ever end up like Howard Hughes, it'd probably be me <laughs> like for sure. You know, like, like I can see that when I'm like, you know, 90 years old or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, but um, so I, I actually have to be very intentional about creating a relationship. And, you know, uh, one of the things that we do is, and it, this sounds so basic, but it's so, so vital is we just schedule the time ahead of time and we hold time. So like, you know, this summer, like we held time to go to the lake uh, with my girl's parents. We schedule the time and it's non-negotiable. And, you know, what, be, with, with me, my schedule gets so full so quickly, you know, we hold time. And, you know, I'm holding time, for example, in 2019, four weeks of time where me and my girl, we're going to be off, you know, but that's scheduled already. Because if it doesn't get scheduled uh, and people don't – people know that the schedule is real and that you don't break your commitment, then things tend to happen. But uh, scheduling has been very, very important. And the other thing is, has it's been very intentional about, um, I, I dropped out all the transactional relationships in my life. I, there was a time where I was chasing success and trying to have friends that could get me to certain things. Mm-hmm. And that became just so hard 
um, that I said, you know what, to hell with that. I'm just going to be with people who are cool people. And if transactions emerge, then so be it. And so I, I've reduced the number of people that I spend time with. However, I've been more intentional about the type of people I've been spending time with and making sure that we have shared values. And it's become a lot uh, less relationships, but deeper and more fulfilling relationships too. Yeah, got it. Well, next but one. I can't tell you how important scheduling is. Like it sounds oh, so basic. No, I hey, I'm 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 <laughs> with you, and it's amazing that I don't know if there's anybody we do this habits interview with that does not come down to saying intentional time, scheduled off, blocked yeah. off. You got uh, to. The third one is mental. The things that you do to keep yourself mentally healthy and well, keeping that mental edge. What are your habits there? So. um, a couple things. I think the first thing, and this is sort of a thing across the board, is I made a fantastic selection in my life partner. Uh, that has mental, physical, emotional byproducts um, for the rest of my life. And, and, you know, we spend so much time together, we work together, that being with Jenna uh, has been a huge thing for my mindset. And concurrently with that is I'm always in either a service role where I'm helping someone or I'm being coached and I'm learning. If I'm idle, <laughs> this is bad news. Um, so I'm always very intentional about either serving or learning and having a really good coach and or therapist. I have a whole, you know, sort of uh, now uh, used to be just YouTube videos of people, <laughs> right. <laughs> right? When I had no money, but now I have a whole sort of arsenal of people who I work with that are mentors uh, from a high level functional medicine doctor, the aiming clinics, an amazing coach and therapist um, and, you know, great coach in the, in the marketing space. So, because the thing about um, the mental health game is I take all kinds of great supplements, a great DHA supplement and I mega dose DHA every single day, L-glutamine. I'm eating the right foods for my microbiome uh, through the vi- uh, as diagnosed uh, through the Viome app. But I think one of the most important things is who you co-regulate with, like who you're spending time with. And, you know, the thing about, um, you know, being in proximity to people for mental health is that the brain is actually a social organ. So if I'm co-regulating in proximity to people who have facial expressions that are down and tones are down, like I can only, you can only handle so much of that because your environment informs yeah. so much of your mental health. So I do my best to really intentionally design environments where I'm co-regulating with people who have good tones of voice and good facial expressions and who I feel safe with and environments that are healthy and, um, and uh, supportive of that as well. You know, no, no, no uh, high fructose corn syrup in the house. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Well, the fourth one here is financial. The things that you do or did in the past to help get you to a good place financially. Sure. So a couple of things. Number one is, um, for me personally is, um, charge a lot and over deliver <laughs> I think is like a really important thing because I remember the very first retreat I ever rolled out, we had yoga and coaching and a lot of people would go into, you know, their pricing models and think, okay, what's the competitor charging? And I want to undercut them by a price. And I just remember thinking like Apple doesn't do that. You know, like I don't want to be a commodity. So I would always look at whatever the competitor is charging and just double the price. <laughs> and, and, and then I would also like over deliver in value because you can't just charge a lot and then just wing it. Like, yeah. so I always do my best to always over deliver in value. And, um, it just takes a little bit of confidence and kahunas to be able to do that. Um, and then, uh, there's a great, um, you know, I'm, I'm not an accounting person. I don't enjoy accounting, but, but there's this great model of how to save money uh, that comes from uh, my friend Mike Michalowicz and Profit First. And the whole idea of Profit First is a whole book and whole world on it. And the whole idea is that most accountants say sales minus expenses equals profit. That's kind of the standard model. But Mike says, no, no, no. Sales minus profit equals expenses. And the idea, you know, comes from uh, what is it? Uh, the richest man in Babylon, right? Mm-hmm. Pay yourself first, right? So, so this idea that we build profit 
in taking profit first into our business model has been a huge game changer and really required us to be disciplined. But if you look at Parkinson's law, right, people tend to spend what they get. So if like you make a million, you tend to spend a million. If you make a dollar, you tend to spend a dollar. So if you're intentional about taking that first you know, 10, 20, 30% off the top and putting it away and looking at the rest that's left over, you will naturally adapt to that. Yeah. Um, and that has been a huge game changer for us financially. Wow. That's, that's significant. And I can say I have not heard that before. I will dig in more. Um, so, yeah, pro- Mike, Mike's a really good buddy. If you want an introduction, okay. I'm happy to introduce Thank him. you. And thanks to these sponsors for bringing us today's show. Uh, the next one is spiritual. And, you know, I actually had this question that I was going to broach in our first interview and I did not, but being in the place that you are on stage in this personal development uh, world and platform, you, to me, are unique. You start off, you, you have a lot of wordage, verbiage around creator, but then you're actually bold enough to come out and use the Jesus word, uh, which <laughs> is not the most popular in our day and age, even in church. And uh, that's curious to me. I'll leave it at that and ask you about your spiritual habits. How's that? <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, a lot of that grenade at you. What can I say? I mean, you know, people uh, judge. People are getting feedback from people and how they behave. And there's a lot of people who use a lot of different uh, religious people's names, yeah. not in the form with which they originally had intended it. Yeah. And Jesus is certainly not, not short of that. Um, I feel like I feel like Jesus needs a new publicist. <laughs> I, absolutely, um, <laughs> there's a job but, you opening. Know, you know, I, I think most. Uh, I won't say most, a lot of people who use the name of Jesus, uh, I'm not sure have really read and comprehended the words he said, and, and specifically the red letters. Um, and so, you know, I consider myself a Christian mystic. And what that means is, is that I think, you know, uh, God is a creator. Um, it's a loving essence. We came from it and we'll return to it. It's an alpha and omega. It was always there. It'll always be there. It's not a uh, never ending. Um, I grew up sort of in the Christian lexicon, so I have a very personal connection to Jesus. I don't think the name – the one thing that I diverge with uh, sort of uh, very dogmatic Christians is the idea that the name is most important. I think Jesus said it. Jesus didn't say – I mean he said, I am the way, the truth, and light, the only way the Father is about through me. But he said, above all else, love God and love your neighbor as yourself. Love is the way. So if you're being love, which is what it says inside my cross here, be love, mm-hmm. that is the most important thing. I think that if you look at, you know, someone who is being love and using the name uh, Ra, Yeshua, Muhammad, whatever, if the essence of who that person is, is love and acceptance and service, there's nothing wrong with that. And so the, the, my big divergence with uh, sort of standard Christian crowd is that I'm a believer in Jesus. I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm a devotee of Jesus. And I don't think that Jesus has a monopoly on love. I think that that's a choice anybody can make and that that's the most important thing. And I think we get so caught in dogma and details. And the whole point is to just love each other. Jesus didn't say love people who believe what you believe. He didn't say love your straight friends or your gay friends or your black friends or your white friends, your democratic friends or your Republican friends. He just said, love your neighbor as yourself. And I think that is just such a basic fundamental thing that gets skipped over, even though what he said was above all else, <laughs> like that part. So he didn't say love the sinner, hate the sin. He didn't say any of that. He said, love your neighbor as yourself. And I think now more than ever, it's so vitally important that we remember that. Now he did not say like your neighbor. <laughs> okay. And he didn't say 
that you have to agree with them. But love is the mandate. And you don't love someone because I said to. You love someone because God loves them. Yeah. That's why. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. And if you're struggling with loving yourself, go back and listen to the main interview we did <laughs> and look at your trauma. Can I get an amen from you on that? Okay. Amen. Amen. All right. Number six here is career. And it's always an interesting one to talk to my guests about because most like you have had a, a varied career. And yet today you find yourself a very solid in one and yet with a dramatic amount of opportunities coming at you. So what have you done or do you do today to keep keep your career in a healthy place on track where you know you need to be? So a couple of things. Um, I wish for the day where what I do is no longer necessary. I can move on to something different mm. because um, if I can, if, if, if what we do is no longer needed, what an amazing world that would be, right? Like to me, it's like if we could all just heal our trauma, realize we can co-create our own reality and that there's divine grace in the universe and you can act accordingly, what could we possibly create together? Like, oh my goodness, Right. Um, but for now that, that that's not the case. So what I do is, and this is not for everybody because in the beginning, in the beginning days, um, what motivated me was like proving naysayers wrong. It was like, I'm going to prove, they say I can't do it. I'm going to show them. Mm-hmm. That was great motivation. I think you should celebrate what motivates you. Then it was, let me take care of my loved ones and, you know, buying my, uh, me and my, me and my girl bought her parents a house. We you know, wrote the $30,000 check to put my mom in rehab. Like those things are now taken care of. Now it's for, for me, it's, it's mission. And my mission is to end emotional trauma with the caveat that the human race thrives because I could imagine some AI one day analyzing this conversation and saying, ah, we must end emotional trauma. And the way to do that is to kill all humans because yeah. then trauma will be over. Not that way. Yeah. Okay. But in a way where the human spirit can thrive. And so I make every single decision through that lens. It's a filter through me. Does this, is this on mission or is it not on mission? If it's not a mission, it's a no. So it's not so much hell yes, hell no. Um, because for me, if it's on mission, I have to do it whether or not I'm excited about it (laughs) because it's a part of the mission because I'm not always going to be excited about certain things. Um, but if it's on mission, then I'll do that. And I'll give you an example. So there was a company that recently, um, uh, talked me into helping them with marketing and I didn't charge them a dime for it because it was on mission for me to be able to do that. Mm -hmm. And that was something that I did out of my own uh, mission driven choice. And, um, I probably leave a lot of money on the table by doing that, but I feel really good with myself every single day. So for me, it's, it's always through the lens of, is this helping me forward the idea of emotional trauma and healing it, or is it detracting from it? And if it's detracting from it, then I stop. And by the way, that also means doing things like dropping uh, comparison, competition, jealousy, stuff like that. I had to really work on myself for a long time. Last one here, Mastin, is personal. The personal spoke. This is the, the fun, the hobbies, the play, the things that you do just for you. So I think a couple of things. One is it's in my environment. So directly to my left, which would be also your right, I think. Yep. Um, you know, I have a TV here that is uh, used for presentations, but there's also a PlayStation attached to it. All right. So like I'll just like pause, like I'm going to go play MLB the show or me and my girl will just like go out for a walk or we'll schedule time to go be together and we prioritize that. But the other thing is, is that like if I had to go like take a vacation or retire, I would just keep doing what I'm doing. So I feel like I've been very stubborn in making what I do, what I love and surrounding myself with have those shared values. So like to me, a vacation would be more functional, like downtime to rest, then let me go to this vacation where I can finally have fun. Like I wake up every day going, ah, 
So, you know, there's stresses and highs and lows for sure. But, you know, I would not want – like this This is fun. This yeah. is what I get to do, you yeah. know. So um, – and, you know, my girl's on that same page and our whole family is more or less on that same page. And so I think that, you know, it's, it's, it's really no difference. But we prioritize more like presence and together time, which is slightly separate. But I love my work. Yeah. Well, that's a beautiful testimony and, of course, a big part of our focal point here in your – message of purpose. Um, man, thank you for letting us go behind the scenes for sharing the things that you do. It's always a gift to hear that you're uh, you're a real person, but doing the things that you need to do to be the best you. So thanks for the gift, Masson. Ah, Kevin, it's been my pleasure. And thank you for having me. This has been such an illuminating conversation for me too. My honor. Well, I hope you got value from Mastin's sharing. Again, connect with him at mastinkip.com, M-A-S-T-I-N-K-I-P-P.com and get his book, Claim Your Power, there or wherever you buy books. If you got value from the show, please give Mastin a gift. Let us know. Leave a review for The Ziggler Show in iTunes. That is the best way for us to let him know that what he shared was of value to you. Well, coming up next in show 634, I wanted to hear more from you on Mastin's message of hope and turning your trauma and limiting beliefs into power. So I asked on Facebook, what limiting beliefs held you back? Uh, and are you are there any that you're still working to overcome? Because uh, I thought about myself, I thought, yeah, there are some limiting beliefs that I became aware of, I have overcome or or progressed in spite of, but there's also some that still exist with me all the time that I have to daily work to overcome as well. So it's a big deal question. I think you'll greatly appreciate hearing real people dealing with real issues that they're striving to overcome and succeeding in overcoming. Well, till then, thank you as always for letting me walk with you as we inspire our true performance together.